0: Hello, live streamers. This is the off-season, and giant fans who celebrate any holiday where there's gift giving have found wonderful, wonderful gifts this December. Sure, but they gained another. We're gonna be talking about the Giants off season, what it could mean with the host of Locked On Giants, Ben Kaspic. This is Locked On (laughs) MLB.
1: Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of am Paul Francis Sullivan, check out my lower third. You can always call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last decade. And I've spent the last four full seasons as a podcaster here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's a presidential term. I'm not getting political here. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at SullyBaseballPodcast. And you can follow us on YouTube, please. If some of you are watching us on YouTube, we are doing a live stream right now. We do some episodes live stream, some not. But we are going to be doing, well, we're going to be having fun this whole offseason all during the holiday season. We'll be doing shows all the time. Check us out and check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including, let's just take one at random, Lockdown Giants. With Ben Kasvick. And look, it, uh, I make no bones about it. The Giants are one of my favorite teams. They were my dad's team, which is why I have a very very soft spot in my heart for them. They were the only team I ever saw in the World Series. The only World Series game I ever went to live was the 2014 World Series between San Francisco and Kansas City. My dad and I were there. During the Bruce Bochy era, they only lost one home game. And I was there to see it in person, game three of the 2014 World Series. But you know what? It's been an up and down couple of years for the San Francisco Giants. And let's be frank, it's been an up and down weird off season for the San Francisco Giants. But don't take my word for it. Let's bring in the host of Locked On Giants. That's Ben Kaspik, friend of the podcast. How you doing, Ben?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, got a lot better after they came away with Carlos Correa, but you know
0: yeah it's been great it's, it was uh you knew they were good, or at least they were making the noise of bringing in a big free agent and boy they looked to the biggest free agent not just in terms of stats and them and in terms of impact but in terms of height where they were the ones playing the most uh i guess footsie with aaron judge and there was about a four minute window where it looked like is he gonna sign with the giants is he because i never thought he was leaving the yankees but there was a but there was a little bit. Of, God, this is going on longer than it should. And this weird article came out. Is he going to go to the Giants? And then next, you know, cooler heads prevailed, and off he came to uh, New York. We are going to get into the some of the very good signs the Giants made. But I am curious, from your standpoint, what were those about thirty six hours where it looked like he might actually be heading to San Francisco? Feel like on your end,
1: a little bit surreal because they just don't get guys like this. Sometimes they try. Often they don't try they tried for Bryce Harper but it would have been the biggest free agent signing since Barry Bonds and just coming off the season that Judge was coming off of it just it would have been absolutely surreal to have the Giants come away with this guy yes there were some possible red flags given that he was going to be 31 years old and you're talking about a long-term deal but at the same time this guy just hit 62 home runs uh it seemed like the stars could align here because he did grow up a Giants fan. There was was that weird article, like you said, and mm-hmm. I mean the whole time we around here thought it was a real possibility, but then it definitely got you know, got real serious there in the last thirty-six hours and then those fateful seven minutes between John Heyman tweets were mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite tell a tell
0: people tell people who were not uh big Twitter followers And by that, I mean my mom. Tell people uh, what that meant, what the John Heyman tweet thing was all about.
1: So the first thing he tweeted out from the winter meetings where a lot was going down and it seemed like an Aaron Judge decision might be coming any moment. uh, John Heyman just tweets out what I mean, what he said was arson judge appears headed to Giants. And of course, we all knew what he meant was Aaron Judge. He deletes that tweet. And then, re, you know, sends it out again and says, Aaron Judge appears headed to Giants. Now, appears headed to is not the same as you get, you know, a Jeff Passenbaum that says Aaron Judge and the San Francisco Giants are in agreement on a deal, you know. Yep. So, it was like, I'm waiting for confirmation. But at the same time, far more often than not, when you see a tweet like that, it ends up happening. And so, it really felt... For seven minutes uh, until he said never mind. Basically, he tweeted out seven minutes later. The Giants, Giants people say they have not heard on Judge. My apologies for jumping the gun, and then he deletes the other tweets. And so, real roller coaster of emotions there. But for me, I was still waiting for that confirmation. So I, but so it wasn't like absolutely insane that he took it back. But at the same time, I mean, playing with our emotions like that was not not cool.
0: Yeah, and it's a little bit of that culture of you need to be the first one to call it. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. know, I call it first. I call it first. Like who cares? No, who cares? I I I. Do you remember? Do you remember a few years ago when Bryce Harper signed with Philadelphia? You remember the reporter who was the first to report it? No, <laughs> me neither. Because no exactly. one. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, it. I can't. I couldn't tell you for a million dollars. A million dollars. Well, speaking of doing something for a million dollars um uh the Giants had a bunch of moves one of them one of the first things that happened with the Giants was offering Jock Peterson a qualifying offer and him accepting it uh he probably said really and uh you know came back I think you know Palo Alto Zone. Jock Peterson stays another year with San Francisco um what are your thoughts on you know I mean I know that's not the big trade we're just trying to go through some of the moves they made here
1: I mean he was he was their best offensive player last year. He is a platoon player so he he really was limited against you know almost exclusively right-handed pitching, but against right-handed pitching he is one of the most dangerous bats in the game. And you know uh bringing him back and when especially now like I'm not sure I even realized it at the time, but when we ended up seeing like what this outfield market looked like uh in free agency, there weren't a lot of guys. There was Aaron Judge there was Mitch Haniger and then you know Kevin Kiermeyer, Brandon Nimmo, but there just weren't that many guys. And and left-handed hitting players, I think their their markets kind of saw a boost uh due to teams maybe expecting some better results with the changes to the shift coming in uh-huh. 2023. And so uh I, I think the Giants are willing to like quote unquote overpay a little bit if it means it's a one year deal like i i'm just not i don't think they really mind it uh when they know next year they can pivot if if it doesn't work out then it's over and if it does work out you got good production for a a hefty price but if you lose him you i think that's more important than the money right you're losing right. the production when he was such a integral integral part of the middle of their lineup all season long and so when all is said and done, and I'm not the one spending the money, so I'm just glad one of their best offensive players is back for one more year.
0: Yeah, and I think that I think it was Keith Law who said there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. That right. you know, even if it's even if it's an overpay, it's not a long-term deal. Uh, speaking of, well, you kept a, a solid left-handed bat for the outfield, then you bring in a right-handed bat with Mitch Haniger, where you brought him in where he's not coming off he's coming off of a year where he didn't play that much but we all know that when he's healthy he's a very productive right-handed bat and I think gives them a little bit of depth and and I've what I've learned to do with this Giants front office and you and I have talked about this and I talked about this with Miller Thomas I don't think they were as good as 107 wins that they were last year. And I don't think they were a 500 team like they were last year. I think they're somewhere in the middle. And I think that adding to the depth in their lineup, uh, before we get to the big kahuna in a second, uh, I think this is all smart. That these are the smart sort of complementary pieces that they could have to put together a good framework that when they added in the big the big fish, uh, I think that that was a very smart roster construction for this Giants team.
1: I agree. And what it also does is it gives them a guy who's not a platoon player. They ended up just being too platoon heavy. Like I mentioned with Jock Peterson, as good as he was, he they took him out whenever there was a lefty on the mound. Uh, whether it was a starting pitcher, he wasn't in the lineup. If it was a lefty and, and if you know a righty started and then a lefty reliever came in, they took him out. And so they needed more everyday guys. And Mitch Hanniger. Uh, is an everyday player he's not a guy who's going to be platooned and so yeah he's not a superstar but just having a solid uh productive potentially everyday player for the it like when you add that that star on top of players like that that's what makes a really good team and so it came first and it came uh like a day before they lost out on Aaron Judge and so a lot of people were like this is your move like you misjudge and you're just getting Hanager that's not going to cut it but when you get Hanager and then you add that impact talent it's it makes a it makes your lineup that much better
0: I love that we're tiptoeing around talking about saying his actual name (laughs) because there's one more there's one more complimentary move that they made I think they kind of read the writing on the wall about Carlos Rodon they knew he wasn't going to come back um to the Giants was was there any was there any chatter of him actually returning or was it just the market was just getting... He was the best available pitcher, so they saw that whatever he was going to get was going to be more than they, they had in their pocket.
1: There were reports all offseason that they were still interested in him and still pursuing him, but we around here have grown skeptical of just the, I Of the reports, especially for starting pitchers. I mean, because we dealt with this exact same type of scenario last offseason with Kevin Gosman, who similarly like came to the Giants... For a short term, was really good, re-entered the market, and then left. And he said, I mean, this is what gave it away for me. He said he never received an offer from the Giants. And so and like it was a very reasonable five-year, 110 million dollar deal. And then the reports that Rodon was seeking like seven or eight years, it just seemed like if they weren't gonna do it for Gosman, why would they do it over a longer term? For Carlos Rodon as good as they are I think they just the the there's a pretty poor track record oftentimes with long term deals for starting pitchers and so it's not popular at the time but you know let's look back looking back in 5 year you know 5 years from now we might say wow they they dodged a bullet with these two or we could say they really missed the boat like it kind of looks like Kevin Gosman's deal is a pretty big bargain at this moment right. in time but we'll see how it looks in a few years
0: well, they to fill the hole left by uh, Rodon signing with New York, Ross Stripling came in uh, for a two-year deal. Again, not a super long-term deal, but mm-hmm. uh, Stripling is there to at least fill that hole in the rotation. Uh, what are your thoughts about Stripling, and could he be the next Rodon... Disclefani, Gosman, you know, reclamation project, like a p- p- pitcher who really you know, cashes in big time with success in San Francisco.
1: I think that, I think that they preferred some of the other guys who ended up signing. Like, I think they were in on Kodai Senga and I was kind of expecting them to go after like Justin Verlander and who was the other guy who got like a two year i think we were i was expecting jacob de grom to get like three years instead of five and i thought that they might be in on on that and so for stripling i just don't see the ceiling as being as high because he's he's not the type of guy who's ever gonna basically rack up the strikeouts and that limits the type of carlos rodan or kevin gosman breakout his stuff is not as good as uh, Kevin Gosman's or Carlos Rodon's. But at the same time, I mean, the year he just had in Toronto was excellent. And so yeah. if he can be that. And he's had some really good years when he was with the Dodgers, too. And so, like, just from a run prevention standpoint, I think he could be really good, like he was just last year. But from, like, a dominance standpoint, I don't see it. I think he's more like what you said, uh, Di Scalfani and Wood and Cobb versus, like, the the the... Gosman and Rodon echelon,
0: and that's not so bad. No. It's not so bad. I mean, if you if you're putting a decent pitcher on the mound, you know every game, you know if they, mm-hmm. if they, when it's their turn, then it's a surefire bet that they are going to improve on a 500 season. If you're going to make any bets, go to Bet Online, which remains your number one source for sports betting info, news, stats, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends. From every professional amateur league out there, from pro football to the college bowl seasons, to the NBA, to the NHL. And we're not that far away from March Madness. They got it all at BetOnline.net. Hope you put a lot of money on Argentina today. Uh, If you love sports podcasts, you can get those at BetOnline as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to your website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline. It's where the game starts. We have been treating this man like he's Voldemort, the man whose name must not be said. Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa. I, I beetlejuiced him to the uh, to the Giants here. So, uh, just absolutely stunned. Um, I I'll just tell you right now. I'm, you know, I'll give you the free reign to just go go bananas this segment about Carlos Correa. But I'll just say the the I thought. I, I knew he wasn't going back to Minnesota and I had a feeling he wasn't going to go to New York. Um, LA was squeamish because of his connection with 2017. Who cares when? And that forgives all matters. I thought the two or three landing places for him, St. Louis, who has a needed shortstop. And I think he would be just fabulous there. Chicago, the Cubs, because for whatever reason, they're acting like they're a contending team. But the real team I thought he was going to go to was Baltimore because Mm. they have a lot of young talent. Obviously, they had their first winning season in a while. Adding a star like that in the middle of it, and that kind of that rising tide raises all ships sort of star that he was in both Houston and in Minnesota, I thought, my God, it's a perfect fit. And Orioles fans were a little steamed that they were in contention and they traded away players at the trade deadline. So I thought, what a great way to win back their fans. And I thought the Giants were tangential uh, contenders for Dansby Swanson, who wound up signing with the Cubs earlier this weekend. And then we all woke up and we saw that Correa signed with the Giants. Ben Kaspic, the floor is yours.
1: I mean, I felt like they kind of needed to do it. And I think a lot of people did here too, because to go from possibly getting Aaron Judge, which was a very legitimate effort. And I mean, the reports are that they made the offer that the Yankees ended up having to match essentially to get the player like, and that offer $40 million a year is pretty crazy in a, in a lot of ways. It's a record Um and deservingly for judge, but to go from potentially that to Swanson, who with all due respect is about half the player of Carlos Correa. And he got almost exactly half the money over a shorter term, but just they're about the same age. Uh And so, people around here yes danby swanson is a very good player but i think carlos correa is you know on a hall he's of a fame famer. he's a, a hall, hall of fame famer. track right. and at this point at 28 years old that's the other thing is the age uh, and just the year they had they really found to be unacceptable and the fans are quite restless here because even though they won 107 games i think people ex- in 2021 I think people have are expecting that at this point, they're not kind of a team that flirts with contention. Sometimes I think the expectation was that, you know, this new front office is not so new anymore. We're going to be going into year five under this front office. And they weren't good when the front office took over. And so I think people expected that by now, they were going to be perennial contenders. And so, uh, after a disappointing year, after Buster Posey retiring, they just don't really have an identity as a team, especially on offense. Yes, you've got Logan Webb. Yes, you've got Camilo Duvall anchoring the back of the bullpen. But on offense, it's a bunch of kind of platoon players and role players, and there's really not that impact. And so for Swanson, a lot of his impact is like defense. And I don't know, they just needed that impact. And so for I... This sign that says Carlos Correa season for those watching on YouTube uh was up before they signed him. Like we that's the level of um hope and anticipation that they might get this guy was. But at the same time, the Giants have finished second on so many free agents over the years that there was a serious doubt as to whether or not they would actually get him. And so there was a hope, but there certainly wasn't a like high level of confidence that they would get it done. It just seemed like even when a player might really want to be here, like we thought, I mean, look, Judge, he had the legacy and the New York and the pinstripes right. and the Monument Park and all that. But Correa doesn't have that because he left his team, the Astros. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to bring him back. You didn't mention him. I wouldn't have mentioned him as a fit there because they've got Pena yeah. and So he didn't have a team. It was just, I I agree with you. I thought the Orioles were a total dark horse for Correa and made a lot of sense. And their offseason has been disappointing and they probably should have gone after him. But I'm not, and that's the thing too that made the Giants feel like a real fit is that a lot of the teams you mentioned there, except New York, which we both felt like wasn't super likely because it's not really a fit on either New York team Mm -hmm. for various reasons. But the Giants with the money they have available and just the will and the desire to get a lot better, could bully a lot of those teams financially. They could be the ones to outbid the Minnesota Twins and the St. Louis Cardinals, perhaps, and the Cubs, maybe. But specifically the Twins, I know they really wanted him back. And it turns out, I think, that the two teams that offered him the biggest contracts were the Twins and the Giants, and the Giants offered him reportedly about $65 million more. So they were just like, have it. Have the bag yeah. of money. We want you. And and that and that's what it took. And they got him.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, Correa in the last couple of years, he was with Houston, especially in the wake of the the scandal from 2017, showed me a lot that he kind of was the player and the face of the post trash can Astros, who in a way was like, okay yeah, that happened, now let's move on. And if you hate us, I don't care. And they got to Game 7 of the ALCS in the COVID year. They got to Game uh, 6 of the World Series in its final year. And he was a huge part of getting there and being the centerpiece. We all thought it was Altuve. And it turns out it was Correa. Now, it's tough for me to say that when he left and the Astros went on winning the World Series, but it turns out they had a wonderful player waiting in the wings in Jeremy Pena. Um and but I thought I thought Correa was gonna be an Astro for life. And if someone like Peña was coming up, then Correa would wind up moving to first base or something you know, like you'll be able to prolong his career, maybe to left field or something like that. But it didn't turn out that way. Um And here we are, he's going to be spending, the Giants are going to get at least three prime years out of Correa. Three of his Hall of Fame level years are going to be the first couple of years in San Francisco. And, you know, that's great. And I think Giant fans are going to embrace him. And I think he's going to embrace being part of this squad. And he's going to love being hated by Dodger fans who already yes. hate his guts because he was part of the 2017 fiasco. So now he's wearing black and orange again, except the the the, the black and orange that they already hate. I think anything that could add sizzle to the Giants-Los uh, uh, Angeles rivalry you know, which has not picked up since the a check swing was called in Game 5 of the 2021 Division Series, which still makes me angry. Uh, and I can't imagine what it did to you. But uh, I, I think this is the exact move the Giants had to do, not just for the team, but like, as you said, to signal to the fan base, yeah, okay, we're, we're in business.
1: Yeah, it just makes so much sense on so many levels. And I love that you mentioned the the, the rivalry with L.A. That's just, it's great. I mean, and and for, of all the teams that maybe could s- not sell the fan base on the, the cheating scandal, but kind of of all the fan bases that could say, eh, whatever, it's the Giants. Because the team that got hurt the most by it is the Dodgers. And so we don't really care. I mean, yes, integrity matters, all that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it does, but at the same time the Dodgers reportedly didn't pursue him like you said because of 2017 and for the oh, Giants man. that wasn't really a thought at all and yeah. in yeah and just just going into Dodger Stadium and he embraces it too that's the kind of the, the thing well, he embraces that's,
0: it that's what i was getting at when i said it was Correa not Altuve because the booing and becoming a villain seemed to really bother Altuve you mm-hmm. saw in fact he had some really really rough stretches Especially in the 2020 COVID postseason, but like he had a couple, he had some rough stretches this off season too, or this postseason as well. But Correa kept on hitting, and Correa would do. You know, pointing to the watch, he he didn't care if he was the villain, he didn't care Mm -hmm. if he was the heel, and that's what that made me like him even more because baseball needs a heel, sports need a heel, and I sometimes root for. I, I mean, I always rooted for Bonds you know even before he became a giant when he was kind of a surly s.o.b and everything like that cuz he was a surly s.o.b who hit the snot out of the ball and did everything great and that's why i mean i think that's fantastic that's why i never i've always been drawn even though he was a yankee for all those years ah, that will soft above my heart for Rod. you know it's okay once he embraced who he was he stopped mm-hmm. trying to be like the you know the, the ceo of oracle and he actually realized he said i'm a great guy that most people hate fine hate me i don't care and that's when I started getting attracted to him. And Correa has that quality. And I think that San Francisco, and look, at I've spent many, many years in the Bay area, gone to many, many Giants games. Giants fans are going to eat it alive.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a clip of him at some point, the Astros went into Dodger stadium and, and, you know, merciless booze for Carlos Correa. Like you said, he kind of became the face of the whole thing. I mean, for Altuve, they, the Astros swear Correa swears. He was like the one player who didn't want the trash oh, can. And so please, stop, we'll see stop, We who knows stop, about stop. that. I mean, maybe
0: stop, maybe. stop, stop. I'm crying. I just became my dad. Stop.
1: <laughs> but, but the point is Correa didn't say it wasn't me. He said, yes, we did it and we're sorry. And it was wrong, but you know, move on. It's, you know, we're going to yes. keep playing baseball. And then he just said, he just proved that he's still a great baseball player, but they yes. go into LA They boo him maybe more than anybody. He hits a homer off of Joe Kelly after that, you know, the Joe Kelly hit by pitch and the pouty face thing. Uh, But, you know, he hits a home run. They're booing him loudly, and he's circling the bases with his uh, hand around his ear like, I can't hear you. So he's not afraid of it at all. And, I mean, I look forward to it. The one thing that makes me a little sad is that in 2023, there's fewer in-division games than there have been. So they actually only go to L.A. twice. They go for the first time in the middle of June and then the last time in September, that's it. And so that makes me a little sad, but nonetheless 13 years of that. And, uh, it's it's great for the rivalry and the giants just as a team, haven't really had that kind of edge. They, you know, their superstar for the last 10 years was Buster Posey. Who's just the most humble kind of away from the spotlight type of guy. You could imagine. Yes. He's a competitive guy, wants to Mm -hmm. win but he's not he does not play with that edge and the thing about Correa too despite all that he's not known as like a bad clubhouse guy he's kind of known as the opposite yeah as a leader and someone who elevates players and mentoring young players I think is just slam dunk great great outcome for the Giants when they they really needed it they've got more work to do but it's it's a it's the best kind of move they've made in a long time
0: we're here with Ben Caspick, final segment, doing a crossover, Locked On MLB with Locked On Giants. Okay, you've had an offseason where you lost one of your best pitchers, but you brought in a decent pitcher. You shored up the offense in the outfield, and you're crossing your fingers that Hanneker stays healthy, and you bring in a Hall of Fame player where you know you get at least a few years of the Hall of Fame quality. And um, I had Melissa Lockhart of the Athletic on, and we agreed that... Yeah, you're not going to get 13 years of Correa at shortstop, but he's athletic enough that eventually he could move to first. He can move to the outfield. You'll get you'll get a lot of production. And remember, Robin Yount was a player from my youth who was a shortstop who eventually became a Gold Glove MVP center fielder. I mean, if players of that caliber can become can find uh, a different path on the field. We were going to be going into a year, which was obviously. Coming off of a big disappointment. What are your expectations for the twenty twenty three Giants? And short of adding another World Series title to China Basin, what would you consider a success for 2023?
1: They definitely need to make the playoffs. If they miss the playoffs again, people are going to be super restless again. Uh, and it would mean some things have gone wrong because I think that they've put together a team that I mean, losing Rodon and then adding Correa, but then adding the other pieces, I think that they're better now than they were last year. But also I agree with you that last year maybe wasn't totally reflective of their talent and that they should have been better. Uh, their defense was really horrible, like really, really bad in 2022. And so that scares me still because Correa makes them better because it actually, Brandon Crawford is expected to, to move to another right. position. So suddenly you've got a Correa did not have a great defensive year last year, but uh, has historically been really good defensively. And then you move Crawford, so then it helps in that way as well. But I fear that. So a disappointment would be if the defense is bad again, and that would probably lead to some bad outcomes because that's really what sunk them last year. But I think make the playoffs, and then if they have another first-round exit, I think that... In some ways, is a, success, is a success. But then, in some ways, it's not. And so, for me, make the playoffs and win at least one postseason series, and then it would be hard to complain. But obviously, the goal is to to win the World Series. And if you don't, you're going to be disappointed. But if you make the playoffs and if you win some playoff series, then that's a. That, other than that, who knows? The playoffs are unpredictable, and it's hard to to get two. Negative, if you if you end up being eliminated, because everybody but one team does, you know.
0: Um, I want to just bring up the the Giants' top prospect is uh, Marco Luciano, who uh, is a shortstop, and he is uh uh you know the he's slated to be major league ready in 2023. Um, I'm going to say something. I'm going to to I'm of the mindset. Uh, I worship at the altar of Dave Dombrowski more than the altar of Billy Bean. Uh, You just signed Carlos Correa for a contract that ends at the heat death of the universe. And your top prospect is a shortstop, a major league ready shortstop. Trade bait. He should be trade bait. He should be someone who's brought up to the majors, showed that he can play in the majors, and then dangle them for whatever need. Now, you, now, it's unclear what the need will be. It might be for a pitcher. It might be for another bat. But I think the Giants have to take a good long look and say, this is a team, as you said, the expectation is to win now. And if their top prospect is a guy who's a major league ready shortstop, and there's several teams who are salivating for a major league ready shortstop, I think the Giants should be big, I'm, I'm drooling. That's how much I I, I, <laughs> I feel this. They should be big time players in a midseason um, move, and they have a major league or a player who could potentially be major league ready at shortstop that some teams should covet. I think that you know, I, and I'm saying I'm not sure what their biggest holes are yet. They should have they should keep them in their back pocket, go to the go to the season and say, "Ha, huh, what do we need?" What do we need? And it, and like a magic eye drawing, it'll when you stare at it long enough, it'll become clear. And I think when they do that, the Giants should be in a position to make a blockbuster deal uh, to push them into the postseason this year.
1: I think you're right. And specifically about Luciano, he there's a couple things. He had some like setbacks with uh, a back injury this year, so it delayed him. So he's not quite ready yet, and. The other thing about Luciano specifically is that scouts have for a long time believed that he's actually not going to stay at shortstop and that he's destined more for like third base or the corner outfield. And so that could solve some problems if you you want him as part of your team yeah. long term. But yeah. at the same time, they are in a position where like his stock is down because of those injuries and he he's really young still. He's been in their system for a long time. They signed him when he was like 16 or 15 or something like that. And so he's been here forever and yet he's just 21 years old. Um, but it is this is the first offseason where we've I've talked about it, Giants fans at large have talked about it as potentially having Marco Luciano as trade bait and you know Brian Reynolds has been mentioned as a possible fit because the Giants still uh need an outfielder. Jock Peterson was re-signed to be a DH mostly because he was one of the big problems that they had defensively last year. And so even with Haniger and a Yastrzemski Slater platoon, they're they're still missing an outfielder out there. And so you look at some of the, the names that are out there, maybe Dylan Carlson on the St. Louis Cardinals, some of these D-backs outfielders like uh, Dalton Varsho and Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy. Some of these guys are going to require some good players like going back. And I think they potentially do have a player to dangle in Marco Luciano because for the giants, at least he's not probably ever going to be a shortstop. As long as Carlos Correa is here and producing, I mean, it Correa eventually will have to move, but like you said, not for several years, but yeah, no. I mean, they've proven in 2021, they went, went out and got one of the best players available in Chris Bryant. And so I think that this summer, They'll do the same thing if they're in a similar position. It's just a matter of who do they give up. They didn't give up a player of the caliber of a Luciano. Luciano, I think, would get you instead of like a rental, he'd get you more of like a longer term piece like a Dylan Carlson or a Brian Reynolds who's got three more years left. But it is the time to consider it. But at the same time, it's tempting to be like, well, I mean, the Giants had Brian Reynolds and they traded him for Andrew McCutcheon. And then Reynolds turned into what he turned into. And McCutcheon was, you know, didn't really move the needle for him. And so you got to be right. careful, but, but yeah, uh, it's definitely something to think about.
0: Well, another thing to think about is the fact that the giants and their fans at least have raised their expectations that they're not sitting on their laurels and Ben Kasper, you shouldn't sit on your laurels either. You have a great podcast. Tell people where they can listen to your show.
1: Everywhere. It's available everywhere, like YouTube, Apple, Spotify, uh, anywhere where you listen to podcasts and the show is called Locked on Giants.
0: All right. And thanks so much for making Locked on MLB your first listen. Your second listen, obviously make it Locked on Giants, but your third listen should be Locked on Sports Today. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders locked on sports today podcast that's available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts and you could follow us on twitter at locked on mlb pods same handle for instagram i'm your pal sully i'm at sully baseball podcast on instagram and please subscribe to us on youtube if you already haven't talking about the giants and their gigantic offseason expectations with ben Caspic of locked on giants this has been locked on mlb For the 18th day of December 2022, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.